welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. We're going to go ahead and get started this morning um, in an Old Testament prophet, Zechariah. And this is a word that um, the Lord had for Zechariah regarding the rebuilding of the temple. Of course, Solomon built the first one, and then Zechariah came along and had to, or uh, Zerubbabel actually came along and rebuilt it. But uh, this is the word of the Lord to Zechariah. And the Lord said, Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work in, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. This is really a, um, an amazing, almost collision of these powerful words. You know, the first word is this, you know, God's anointing, his grace is going to be on Zerubbabel. I mean, there's nothing that's going to stop him from getting this temple built. Thus says the Lord, mountains made plains. I mean, there's just this show of strength, this prophetic word of strength. But then he also adds this, another word. Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You know, to any great work that's going to happen, there's a beginning. There's a small beginning. In other words, Zerubbabel's out there with the plumb line to make sure the wall's going to be straight. It seems so natural. It seems so trivial. It seems little. But what is this? He said, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He rejoices in that small little thing. He knows where it's heading. But there's a preparatory, a beginning work that God has in you. I remember they'd tell us that at Bible school all the time. You know, don't despise the days of preparation, the days of small beginnings. There's a preparing that goes out ahead of the big things that God wants to do. So that was the word that was the word to Zechariah from the Lord. I mean, you're starting somewhere. Things can look a little clumsy and awkward when you're starting, but realize that God is in that. God is working in that. Um, this morning, the message is this, and this is the message that just kept stirring in my spirit, you know, as I'm preparing for this message for this year, and that is simply just that phrase, preparation time. Preparation time. You know, we've got, I know we've got some good bakers in this church that will tell you that bread doesn't bake itself. There is some preparation time in the kitchen that nobody sees before the glorious breaking of bread time that you enjoy at the meal. There is a preparation time that God is working in us. There's a preparation that God wants. There's a preparation word that is so settling, that is so... um, 
stirring and settling at the same time. I mean, when you look at this, it's stirring that that temple is going to be built and the people are going to say, God bless it, God bless it. But it's going to start with somebody dropping the plumb line to make sure the wall's straight. And in our lives, there's good works he's ordained us to walk in, but it's going to start with some plumb lines. It's going to start with some beginnings. God rejoices to see the work begin. We can't start at the end. We start at the beginning. And there's things that God wants to do in our lives, and there's a word that's coming back that there's a preparation time. There's a preparation season. You know, God himself is a preparer. We see that he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He prepares. There's a forethought that goes in to the things that you need as you're doing battle. We saw that John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. Jesus didn't just come cold on the scene. No, there was a preparer. John prepared the way. And the ones who believed John's word, they believed Jesus' word. Their hearts were prepared. It was a baptism of repentance, humbling yourselves under the mighty hand of God that they could hear and see what Jesus was saying. And the ones who rejected John, who rejected, they rejected Jesus. That's why Jesus at one point said, John's authority, where does it come from? Does it come from heaven? You know, the people that were being critical of him? Or is it just from men? And the ones who said John's authority is from heaven were hearing what Jesus was saying. Their hearts were prepared. God prepares. Even before Jesus went to the cross, he looked at his own disciples and he said, look, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. You know, there's a, a place being prepared for us that when I come again, I may receive you to myself that, you may, that where I am, you may be also. God's a preparer. He goes out ahead of things and makes things ready for us. And so... Um, you know the old Boy Scout motto, be prepared. There is a preparation. There is a heart, and there's an attitude of preparation that when you know you're in preparation, it's okay. You're preparing for something. And so I want to get into that this morning, just a couple aspects of preparing, okay? Because we're called to be, like God's a preparer, we're called to be preparers. There's things that we're getting ready. There's things that we're putting in place for something great that's going to happen. But first things first, on the first, here we go. Preparing for God's plan, he prepared for you. And I, I love this passage, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right. So God's prepared good works for us to walk in. In other words, we would say it this way in our day and age, God has a plan for your life. The scripture says good works he's prepared beforehand. There's things that God has designed for your life. And so a big part, again, just preparing for good works, it's like, what are those good works? I want to do those good works. I want to do those good works. And yes, we want to do the good works God's ordained us to walk in. But we're going to find, too, that there's also a preparing that goes along with it. Um, but in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself 
from the latter. He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. So as we see here, God has prepared good works for us, but there's things that we do to prepare ourselves for those good works that he's prepared for us. All right? So and in, in, in other words, um, we don't just have to find out what those good works are and do them. It's like, Lord, show me what you want me to do next. Lord, show me how to prepare for what you want me to do next. I remember being um, ready to go to Bible school. Julie and I were just married, and we were going to go to Ramah, and I was still in our church back in Eau Claire, and it was like, you know, that spring, and we, you know, we sang in the choir, and as I was just right up there in the choir loft and singing, the word of the Lord just spoke so clearly to my spirit. He said, it's, Ed, it's going to be seven years before I begin to move you out into the calling that I've ultimately placed on your life. And it's like, well, seven years? You know, well, Jesus is going to come back in three, so <laughs> what's the point, you know? Um, so... But I remember that word, and it was like, oh, seven years. You know, you're excited. Bible school is only two years, and you just kind of, kind of, you kind of go there, see what they know, and then you want to go off and, and, and save the world. You got that excitement. That, and, but I remember that word. That word, it, it had a, when I realized it, I let it go in, it had a settling effect in me. In other words, I realized God was speaking to me you are preparing. You're preparing for what I'm calling you to do. And I noticed when I got to Bible school, there were people who were a lot like me. They were just ready to get so they could get out and do the ministry. And I just remembered when I was at Bible school, I felt like I just could just be there and enjoy it. I wasn't in a hurry to get off and run off and do the ministry. I knew I had some preparation time. I could enjoy. I could receive. I was like slowed down in a good way, to where I could just get the stuff that God had for me. And um, there is such a good word about that, because when you begin to slow down, settle down, you, you begin to experience the Word of God, the Spirit of God training you, equipping you. Um, and, and so that was a good, it was a good word for me. It, it, it kind of settled me down and, and um, got my heart on track. So when, I was in, so when I was there, I was there. I was getting what God wanted me to get to prepare me to equip me for what God's called me to do. And you need that time. You wouldn't want me to have been your pastor in 1988. I can tell you that right now. My goodness. You had a good heart, but you still got to get equipped. You still got to get trained. I mean, if a doctor is going to start cutting you open and you say, hey, doc, how long have you been at this? And he says, well, I've never really done this before, but I've always wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> say, no, you need to get prepared for that good work. And so it's okay it's okay for us to be able to get prepared for those good works. You got to start, you got to drop the plumb line at some point. Don't despise those small beginnings. God rejoices over those beginnings. He rejoices over your preparation time. Yeah, he sees the big temple picture in the end, but he rejoices. And, and when we, we see that, it, we can give ourselves permission to relax and to enjoy the preparation time. And we don't have to despise, even if it's a small beginning, even if it's just me with my little notebook scribbling something out, you're dropping the plumb line. That's okay. You're taking those first steps. There is a preparation time 
that goes out ahead of that good work he's ordained you to walk in. And you see some of this stuff here too. Um, you know, Paul's writing to Timothy, a young pastor, and he's just talking about, you know, there's things that we do. In, in, in some of this training and some of this preparation time, it's going to be specific to the good work he's called you to walk in. But some of that preparation time, when you look at this stuff, he's given some, some advice to young Timothy. He, there's some things you pursue and there's some things you avoid. He said, you flee youthful us, but you pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and then you avoid the foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they generate strifes. He knows what's going to get this minister off track. There's different things that get us off our eyes off the prize. You can either, you know, get it with passions or um, just a bunch of stuff, questions that get you on a merry-go-round that get your focus off Jesus, or, you know, different things that are, you know, relationship stuff, diff different things like that. So he gives them these guidelines. And when you look at this, flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace. This is a big scripture. And to be quite honest, I'd read this and my mind would just kind of tilt. Wow. Pursue righteousness, faith, and love, and peace, and that seems like a lot. Seems like a lot of things to pursue there. It seems like a lot of stuff to go after, but this is what you got to remember here, too. We're talking about preparation time. When you prepare to do something in school, usually you're going to have a core of what they call gen ed, general education classes, and then you're going to have your electives and the stuff you go off into. This verse 23 for all of us, this is our gen ed stuff, all right? This is the stuff, no, no matter what you're called to do, specifically, whatever good work God's ordained you to walk in, we all have this stuff. We all have this general education stuff, righteousness, faith, love, peace. How does that look in real life? Well, as you're just following after God, you'll find that the Holy Spirit will just, he'll drop different things on your heart at different times. Sometimes it's just like love. I'm just in 1 Corinthians 13, and I can't seem to get out of it. Love suffers long. It is kind. It is, And then all of a sudden, you know, and next month it could be righteousness. Wow, my righteousness is a gift. That righteousness gives me boldness. Righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. When you go to school, Holy Spirit school, and you're training, the Holy Spirit will drop these different things. And it's not that like you're, you're trying to pursue them all at once. You're pursuing him as the Holy Spirit is guiding you into some of these things. But have you ever wondered when the Holy Spirit, wow, he just has me on this subject. It's like I'm pursuing this thing. He's doing something in you, but we got to see the big picture of what this is doing. What is, that, what is that verse 23 stuff doing? It's causing us to cleanse ourselves, and it's preparing us for good works. You may think you're just on this little general study of love or this general study of righteousness, but you're getting prepared for something bigger. All right? This isn't separate from the good works he's called you to do. This is all preparing you, whether it's general stuff or whether it's specific calling stuff. There's a preparing that's going on in our heart. There is something very special, something very, very precious there. So we see this from the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's useful to teach us for what is true, makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, the Word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So we see that word has that preparing, that equipping effect in our life. And so as we're looking at this, um, I just want to, I want you to be able to see and realize that all of this is part of a larger equipping, preparing work. And there's a theme. Again, the Holy Spirit's going to have themes in your life. Righteousness, 
faith, you're going to get in, maybe it could be a passage of Scripture or a chapter of Scripture. And it's like, you know, you feel like that's my Christian experience. Like this is my, my theme right now. I like to use the old Sesame Street analogy where they'll take a letter or a number and say today is brought to you by the letter A or the number seven or different things like that. And it's like your walk with the Lord. It's like, you know, it's just, it's about love. It's about peace. It's just about peace. These are going to be themes that God is going to work in your heart. And as he's doing it, I just want you to see there's a bigger picture. This is all part of that preparing. Even when you're by yourself with the word of God, okay? It's just you and the word and you're just having your devotion time. Yeah, you're having a devotion time. Yeah, you're getting encouraged, but you're getting prepared. And there's just something about seeing that, seeing that there is a preparing work. There's something going on on the inside of you. I think of it like, um, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll think about, we'll see different movies where you got people who are the one, you know, the one, the chosen one, the deliverer, the one. You know, are you the one? Am I the one? When you go through God's preparation school, anyone who is in Christ is the one. Because when you, you begin to go through some of these courses of faith and love and peace, your life bumps up against all this stuff. And at some point in your life, you get a revelation that your stuff really is common to man. When you see that it really is common to man, there's a rising up that happens. There is a coming up that happens. There's a walking, there's an overcoming that happens as you, be, you begin to walk out the good works he's ordained you to walk in. But there is a change that's taking place in you. And it's not always measured. It's not always measured by things that you can see. I like the way Jesus put it this way. He said, he said when you pray, he said, don't be like the hypocrites who want to be seen and get points and awarded and glorified for being big prayers. He said, you go in your secret place. You go in the prayer closet where nobody can see you. He said, you just go in that little secret place and, and the Father will reward you openly. What's happening in the secret place? You're getting prepared. There's something that's going on in you that he's going to reward you openly. You, you are Clark Kent going into your phone booth, all right? And something's going on in there. And when you come out, there is something that God puts in you to give out. It's precious when you get something. Sometimes you get stuff in your prayer closet that morning and you find out later that day why you got it then. That's supernatural. That's God's stuff. That's God preparing you, equipping you. He's putting in you. And that's what I just want to kind of get a paradigm shift because sometimes you can see that stuff Follow youthful laws, follow faith, follow peace. It can feel like a big to-do checklist that you got to get through. But no, it's a Holy Spirit-led school of equipping that God is changing and working in you to do amazing things that he has ordained you to walk in, not only by his word, but also by his spirit. God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. He will continually revitalize you and planting within you the passion to do what pleases him, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. In other words, he's got a plan. He's got his word to equip you, but he's also got his spirit putting a desire to do what that good work is, what that plan is. I always like to share, too, about how when we were, we were kind of preparing, you know, Julie and I, we'd graduated Bible school for, a, I guess it was probably about a good eight years or so, well, almost eight to ten years, eight, nine years, and... Um, 
Julie's uncle just asked me one day, he just said, you know, you know he said, what about you guys going to start that Bible school some? Are you guys going to start that church someday, right? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to start a church. And he just said that, he just said that phrase to my, in me, and he didn't realize what he said, but he said, maybe now is the time. And when he said, maybe now is the time, you know, he just thought that was him talking, but that was God talking through him. And when he said that, the Spirit of God just spoke, now is the time. You know, there was a preparing, there was an equipping, but then there was that stepping out, now is the time. There's an alerting of the Holy Spirit, okay, it's time, you're ready, let's step out, let's go. And when he said that to me, I remember just after we left, he said, Ed, if the, if the opportunity was present right now, would you even be ready for it? Do you have a resume? Are you prepared? And I just remember that this was probably you know, early December that I got that word, maybe now is the, now is the time. And I thought, oh, I'm not even... And the first thing I did is I went back off and dusted off my old Bible school resume that we were forced to write. It's part of Bible school classes. And to take a look at it and refresh it and get it updated and get it all, get it all prepared and just begin to think like, wow, ministry is real. Ministry is going to happen. And within literally like a week or so, we got that email from Rama that said, ministerial opportunities now online. Went online, clicked areas desiring to start a new work, and the very top one was Door County, and I was ready with my resume in hand. But there was a preparing. There is a word. Sometimes we say prepare, get ready, get ready. Why? The Holy Spirit is having us prepare today for things that he knows are out front. I'm not just looking for the thing. I'm preparing. I'm preparing myself. Like the bride prepared for, you know, for her husband, for the groom. There's a preparing that you're doing in faith, knowing that there's an opportunity that's going to come. And there's nothing quite like the opportunity is there and you're ready. You're on your game. You're in the zone. You're, you're, your heart is fresh and prepared. There is a prepared work that God wants to do in us and calls us to do. I love this scripture. It says, the preparations of the heart are of man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. We're preparing, we're preparing, we're preparing, and he lets us know when we ultimately get that going. And then the other thing I just want to say is that we're preparing ourselves in that sense, but there's also a preparation to win. We're running to win. We're not running to, to just play the game. The scripture has some strong attitudes that we get. Um, and sometimes this can be misunderstood, I think, maybe in faith circles and faith preaching circles and things, oh, it's kind of a little arrogant faith pastor, preacher, you know, whatever. We got to get back to what the Word says and see the attitude of the Word that we're supposed to have. That's part of our preparation because there can be things in front of you. And if you're not prepared to win, if you're not prepared to walk in it, you'll miss it just because you can't see it. God wants us to see these opportunities. We're preparing to win the good fight of faith. I'm not just fighting the good fight of faith. I'm winning the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So fight, so fight with faith for the winner's prize. Lay your hands upon eternal life for this is your calling celebrating in faith before the multitude of witnesses. So we're called to fight this good fight of faith. And many times the fight of faith is simply the fight to stay in faith. Because when you're fighting the fight of faith, you know what you believe, but you got all this stuff trying to knock you out. So it's a fight to stay in faith, to not let things knock you off your course, not, not let things knock you off God's plan for your life. And so as we're looking at this fight of faith, I just want to 
take a look at a few scriptures along these lines. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, this is gen ed stuff. This is general will of God stuff for all of us, regardless of what our calling is, regardless of those good works he's ordained you to walk in or me to walk in. This is God's will for all of us. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks. What does James say? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And man, I look at these scriptures with you. I look at these scriptures with the stuff that I'm going through and go, oh, really? Rejoice? Count it all joy? You know, man, if, you, and if you're trying to do this, as, again, as a box to check, it's very hard. In fact, this can make you cynical towards spiritual things. In fact, you know, right after he gets done saying rejoice always in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God, Christ Jesus concerning you, he said, you know, he said, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophesying, don't get cynical of spiritual things, you know, because there can be a way that our attitudes can get reflected in some of this in our battle while we're going through the battle. Sometimes you'll talk about battles and you'll hear people talk about the troops. Is the morale high or is the morale low? Well, as you're fighting the good fight of faith, what you're fighting is your own morale. It's your own morale being high. It's trusting. It's believing God. And this is, these are the scriptures that are kind of a check on our morale. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Count it joy when you fall into various trials. In other words, I'm not going to let this thing steal my faith. There's an attitude. I am not going to let it take it. No way. I'm not going to. Now, again, this can be like misunderstood. Again, if this is just some preacher, faith preacher, yeah, you, yeah, it is written, rejoice always. It is written, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. It's not about the personality of the preacher. At some point in our lives, and this fight has to get back to the word. It's just true. It's just true. Yes, it does do some of this to us. There is a shaking that goes on. When you begin to have this attitude of faith, there's a winning attitude of faith that raises the shield of faith. And I had the Lord just check me once. Because it's like, I got these thoughts. I can't seem to stop these bad thoughts. And the Lord just said, for your consideration, Ed, if you're not able to quench those fiery darts, you may not have your shield of faith up. Just a food for thought. There should be something blocking there's a faith, and there's an attitude of faith. There's a decision of faith. There's a decision to raise the shield because these things that come against us, they're very real. When they bombard our mind, we know these thoughts. We know the attacks. You know, the enemy is always making it about flesh and blood. God brings it back to powers and principalities. He brings it back into that spiritual realm. He brings it back into this realm. We know what the enemy does. We know what God does. The enemy's accuser. God's a forgiver merciful, gracious, but we see here that we are to count it all joy when we fall. Rejoice always. There's a couple little antidotes I, I love along these lines. Um, Mark Hankins brings out in his book, he's got called The Spirit of Faith. He refers to a guy in a Nazi concentration camp named Viktor Frankl, and you know he was, he was in the Nazi concentration camp. He just made some observations he said he could look into the eyes of those around him and see when their attitudes began to change. He could also see it in their postures as they walked. When hopelessness had taken over their life, although physically they could have survived and lived longer, mentally they had broken down. Victor said he could 
tell when they were ready to lay down, stop eating, and give up and die. He said he could see it in their attitude. He determined, Victor determined, that there was one thing the Nazis couldn't control in his life. They could not control his attitude. He said this, the last of all human freedoms is the ability to choose one's own attitude regardless of circumstances. In other words, he couldn't control everything, but he could control himself and his attitude. You know, these are sobering things when I look at my stuff versus the Nazi concentration camp. And he said, I could choose my attitude. I'm choosing. You know, we got a lot to rejoice about. Our Lamb's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Praise God. We've been saved by grace through faith. Translated from the kingdom of darkness, hell lost another one, and translated in the kingdom of God's dear Son. That's us. We're His. We're His children. Yeah, we're still working things out. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things we don't know, a lot of things we don't understand, but we've got cause to rejoice. And there's something about the rejoicing always that just changes the subject to God. It changes the subject to the goodness of God. It changes the subject to God's blessings on our life. There's an attitude adjustment. There's a changing. There's a setting your mind on things above. And this is the other antidote he gives that I thought is such a, a powerful one too. He just talks about when he was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, he was ministering. He went to a hot air balloon festival and um, they had to go, you know, they had to race to these targets. And he said a man where he was ministering actually had one of those balloons and he went with him. He said, not long after they took off, it took, we took off, he told me, we have absolutely no control over the direction of the hot air balloon. He said, the only thing we had control over was the altitude of the balloon. We noticed that all the balloons were at 1,000 feet were headed south. The problem with that, however, was that the target was on the north side of Albuquerque. The man I was riding with pointed out that the balloons that made it to the 3,500-foot level were headed north. There was a different wind blowing at 3,500 feet, causing the balloons to go a different direction. So we climbed to 3,500 feet and gradually made our way to the target. The only thing we could control was the altitude. By adjusting that, we were able to control our destination. And so here's just his little comments from that. He said, this experience reminds me of people following Jesus and obeying God. Many times you see everyone headed south. And you think, this is just the way life is. However, if you want to go a different direction, you have to get on the target that God has for you. That you, you want to get, go the direction that, of the target God has for you, you're going to have to rise up in the spirit, rise up in the reality of your redemption, rise up in faith. If you're living by your feelings and circumstances, you'll be flying at the thousand foot level and be headed south. If you'll rise up in the spirit, there's another wind blowing that'll take you to the divine destiny God has for you. That's well put. This is kind of stuff we were even already kind of prophesying and talking about through a little bit. Yeah, there's a feeling altitude. And if you want to protect the feeling altitude and make it just feeling level, there's a wind blowing at the feeling. There's an enemy that has voices and wind blowing at that level. But when you're rejoicing always, that's what you're doing. You're coming up to that other level. You say, you're not denying that the feelings aren't real or they're not, they're not there. You're just going higher. You're rejoicing that, yes, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yes, I am a new creation. The old has passed away. All has become new. That where my sin is abounded, God's grace is much more abounded. He's not done with me. I haven't outran his reach. He, I, am still, I am still in play in the kingdom of God. God still has a plan for my life. I am still there. I am in the Father's hand, and no one can snatch me from his hand. I've been raised up with Christ, made to sit together with him in heavenly places where those winds are blowing in Christ Jesus. This is where that fight of faith is, though. It's a fight for that attitude. And what am I doing? Before I ever get to the destination, we're talking about preparing. You're preparing to win. It's not, I hope I win. I've decided I'm going to win no matter what. 
Because Jesus has already conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's raised me up together with him in those heavenly places. Yeah, there's a lot I don't know, but I'm coming up in faith. This is where the winds blow. This is where the spirit, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by feelings. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And there's a rising up in the spirit. I know how it is to feel certain ways. I know how it is to have strength of spirit and revelation and to flow from the spirit. And that's what happens. Even Paul, he's beaten and thrown in jail. And what does they do? In the midnight hour, they're crying out. They're rising up in the spirit. They say, you hear that all the time. They're in the jail, but the jail's not in them. It's the same way when we're fighting the good fight of faith. There's a decision to rise up, to not have these things come against us and to overtake us. Um, I love how, uh, you know, here's a great example to me of this and how faith can sometimes be misunderstood. This is David, all right? He's not King David yet. And we think of David and we think of David and Goliath and we think of that showdown and the things that, that David says to Goliath. But there was something David spoke before he ever spoke to Goliath. And he spoke it to King Saul. And this is what he said. David persisted, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this, both, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. What is that? That's a guy who is prepared for this good work. How did he know he could fight Goliath? Because he, he's, he's been doing some fighting already. He's fought some lions and some bears. He's a spiritual man comparing spiritual with spiritual. And according to his calculations, it was the Lord that delivered me before. It wasn't my own strength anyway. He's going to deliver me here. But you see a man who was prepared to win. Before Goliath, he ever got to Goliath. He, he already beat Goliath before he ever got to him because he was prepared to win. He overcomes some things in your life. You're going to overcome some things by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And as, as things might seem to get bigger, it's just the same spiritual math. It was God who helped me overcome that before. It wasn't me anyway. This isn't any different. And so then when he does talk, to Goliath, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the heavens, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and when I have given the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild beasts, and the, I will give the dead bodies of your men to the wild to the birds and the wild beasts, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us, and he will give you to us. You see this talk, this tough talk. This isn't pregame trash talk, right? He's not talking from a place. He's talking from a place of experience, He's talking from a place of I've fought lions, I've fought bears, I know something. He's talking from a place. He's talking from a prepared place. He's fought some battles. Are you dealing with some battles? Have you ever won any battles? Well, hello. The battles you won, you didn't win them anyway. It was God's power that won them. It may be Goliath here, but it's the same God. It's the same one. It's, it's just the same spiritual, comparing spiritual with spiritual. I'm overcoming by the blood of the lamb, by the word of my testimony. This is not of me. God is doing it. There's a preparedness to win. He's preparing. We prepare ourselves 
but there's a preparing of our heart and our attitude. I've already decided that no matter what comes at me, I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to run. I'm going to count it all joy. I'm not doing it because I'm supposed to count it all joy. I'm not going to let it, this thing steal my attitude of faith. I'm not going to let it take my faith away. I'm going to fight this good fight of faith. I am going to lay hold on eternal life. There's a decision of altitude to set your mind on things above. It's a powerful thing when you realize that. It's the power of the Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. It was true of, you know, Zerubbabel building that temple. Actually, that's what the verse before it said. Told um, Zechariah about Zerubbabel. This is going to be by the power of my Spirit. No mountain's going to stand in its way. But he said it's going to start with you dropping that plumb line. It's going to start somewhere. And so this is the conclusion that we have from Paul, as he's writing to the Corinthians, says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. All the athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that'll fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should. So there is this element of discipline. That's okay. It's all right. There's a preparedness. There's, there's a training that goes along with it. And so we don't want to you know, be discouraged, you know, as we're training. I, I love that. I use the Rocky analogy all the time. We watch that movie from time to time to get inspired. When you see Rocky, he's going, he's all inspired to go, and he's trying to run up these steps, and he's just getting gut aches, and he just can't even do it, and he's just wiped out. But you're inspired to want to be this. You know, that can be the way it is. I'm inspired. I'm going to go out. I'm going to prepare to win the call. And you get through two verses of the Bible, and it's like, man, I can't even keep two verses, you know, without getting my off track. You can go inspired off of this. But don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because you're not up here yet. You're starting somewhere. God doesn't rejoice when you're up here. He rejoices when the beginnings are small. He rejoices when the plumb line is in your hand. He rejoices when you're just sitting down by faith to get it started. That's when he's rejoicing. He rejoices at the plumb line. What does that do? It gives us permission to relax and realize, okay, I have a preparation project here, and that's okay. And God's working with me. And I'm going to overcome this thing. And it's going to be gradual. There's going to be steps along the way. But you know what? I'm in school. I'm preparing for things. And as I'm doing stuff, I see the big picture that this is all putting stuff into me. David saw that big picture. I'm not just fighting the lion, fighting the bear, so I can say I fought the lion and fought the bear. There's something that's going on there to prepare you for something else. There's seeing the big picture, seeing God at work in the big picture of your life. It's not just a little uh, battle or a big battle or thing that you're going. There is some purpose that God is working in you as you're overcoming these things. And um, there's a preparing that we do for ourselves, certainly as we sit, but there's a preparing to win. There's a good fight of faith. There's a decision that we have to choose, that we have to make, that you know what, no matter what, no matter what comes at me, I'm going to win. I'm going to win this thing. And a lot of times, it's just little attitudes that we get in our life. Is you're fighting that good fight of faith, sometimes things happen and you don't understand why and it just seems like everything fails. And those are the times that you choose to count it all joy in that place. I can give you an example for me. When I was starting out in Bible school, it was cars. I didn't know anything about cars. And so I was made bad decisions and bought bad cars. And it was like everything that happened, my cars would just go wrong something. I learned about car parts from having my car fixed so many times, you know, so many different things. And I remember I was in church on a Sunday morning. Uh, we were at Rama at the time, and my car was in the parking lot with a blown oil pan or something like that, leaking oil, and it was just bad. 
And uh, it was like a $500 fix, and you know, you're a college student, that's just impossible. And I remember her pastor was just preaching about the new creation. And all of a sudden, because I, I knew the new creation truth, but he said, there's a new creation identity in your life. You know, you're not just new. That new creation doesn't have any bad complexes or fears. See yourself as that new creation. And it's like the Holy Spirit immediately said, Ed, you're not Ed the bad luck car guy. You're a new creation car guy. Who are you? See yourself new in areas. You know the weights and sins that are the things that get, get that new creation revelation right there. And I remember walking out of church that day, and I, I remember praying the prayer, yes, I'm a new creation. I'm not Ed, the bad luck car guy that I got to go every few weeks and have to pay something on a car. I decided, no, I'm blessed, and God is going to help me, and I, I, I cast off that complex on my head, and I just declare I have blessed in the area of cars because I'm a new creation. That's who I am. And applying the new creation with some of these little faith fight complexes you get, that's who I am. And I remember coming out of that church service that day, and all of a sudden, because I had this leaky oil pan, there was no way to stop it, and, except to get a new planner, uh, pan replacement. All of a sudden, I had the revelation, and I just got, the, I saw rubber bands, and I saw in my mind just rubber bands, and I saw that little plug with rubber, all rubber banded up. And I knew in my mind that wasn't going to be the fix, right? But I saw I could stop it, and I, it, it was just like the next step, and I did that, and I put all those rubber bands on there, and I was able to drive the car without the $500 fix. And yeah, I'm having to go there, you know, every day and replace, get all fresh new rubber bands because it would get hot and the rubber bands would break. <laughs> but that rubber bag of rubber bands only cost me 89 cents, right? It was in the get and go across the street. And so it worked for me. And then I was, you know, it was, and it was just probably just like day or maybe a day or two later and I'm at work and I'm just telling my, my friend, I'd say, man, I got this leaky oil pan, but I got these rubber bands. And he's just kind of laughed at me and said, oh, you know, um, you need to go see, I think it was um, Clint or somebody like that. And he said, Clint, who's that? He said, oh, it's just my old friend. And he gave me directions to his place. He's kind of this old guy. And he would just, he would kind of, it's kind of like a roadie for um, music groups and for a Christian guy. And he was just new mechanics. And he came in, just, oh, he laughed at me and said, oh, he must have a dollar worth of rubber bands on that thing. You know, just chuckled <laughs> at my car. So oh, 89 cents, but yeah. And he, um, <laughs> He went and he replaced, he, he just got this self-screwed thing and went in there and it just made it brand new, just like, wow. I said, wow, what do I owe you? He said, nothing, don't worry, but I just want to bless you. That's it's really nothing. And I'm like, wow. But I remember before that I would have just, old, ad, bad, ed luck car guy would have just drug it to the deal and tried to figure out how in the world am I going to pay for that. But there was a decision to win. There was a decision, I'm not that person. And that's what will happen to you with areas. It could be finances, it could be healing, it could be relationships. No, that's not who I am. I am a new creation in the area of my health, my finances, my relationships. I begin to see myself as that guy, that girl, that person in the spirit, seeing that will, that identity to win. But there's a decision that God's prepared that goes out ahead of the fixed oil pan. There was a decision that I'm not that same old person anymore. There's a preparing to win on the inside that God will do in your heart that'll go out ahead. There's, there's that kitchen time before the meal time that you get to enjoy. There was a kitchen time David had in the back, you know, with the lion and the bear before the meal time of Goliath, all right? And so that's what I just want to get across this morning. In this year... Don't be afraid of preparation time. God's a preparer. We can be a preparer. We can have ears to hear. If God's going to give us in a season of preparation, that's great. That's fine. I want to be fully equipped for every good work. 
And that's the work that he's going to do on the inside of us this year. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for just the equipping work of your spirit, of your word, of these seasons of preparation. There are amazing good works you've called us to walk in this year. We're excited for them. We're excited for every good thing that you have for our lives. But Lord, we also say that we are here. We're here to submit ourselves to you, Lord, to the, to the work of your word, to the work of your spirit, to work in us, to will and to do, to feed us, to guide us. Oh, Lord, we just thank you that you are with us, you're for us, you never leave us, you never forsake us. Go ahead and make this a declaration of faith if your heart can agree. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. You have prepared for me good works that I should walk in. I purpose this year to prepare myself for those good works, for those opportunities. Show me what that means. Lead and guide me into those areas of your word that you know I need to really strengthen me. Lead and guide me to people, to resources that are going to put into my life, that are going to build me up, that are going to help equip me and prepare me so when that opportunity comes, I'm ready for it. I'm not afraid of it. In the same way, David wasn't afraid of Goliath because he knew he was prepared. He knew that you were doing the work. And I know you are doing the work in my life. You're preparing me. You're guiding me. And I will win because my trust is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. We'll receive that this morning. You know, it's a kind of a word that it can apply to different times in your life, different contexts. You know, it's not a one size or one dimensional message, but God will use this in different ways to just kind of help equip and prepare you, you know, and just realize that, hey, there's some things I'm overcoming, but there's some things that God's preparing in me. There's some stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to school and some things. The Holy Spirit's leading you to go back to school. And you know what I mean? I don't mean like school, school, but I just mean those, that school of the Spirit, those places in the Word could be an area. And it just seems like it's like something keeps coming back. It could be a theme. It's just like, follow that. Follow where God's showing you. Follow His Word. You know, He'll break the bread of His Word. He'll make it real. You know, but there's a powerful equipping, preparing that He's putting on the inside of you to do everything good work He's called you to do. Praise God.